0: At some point, we all face really confusing situations. And because of our experiences so far, we can't see what's really going on. Then all of a sudden, there is an encounter, something crazy only God could explain. We have a light bulb moment, and we can finally see things clearly. These insights can significantly change our life direction. What if you could learn from somebody else's light bulb moment? My insight could be your insight. Significant life, God inspired moments that can change a life. All right, well, listen, my name is Eric. I'm Kyoda. It's good to be here this evening. And thank you, Monica, uh, for having me. Uh, last Monday afternoon, I was uh, invited to uh, share this evening. And so I've been thinking and kind of praying and wondering about uh, what to share. And uh, God's been. Uh, gracious to me over the years and, you know, a lot of insights have, have come and some of them have gone, sadly, <laughs> and, um, but uh, during the last few days, you know, a few things have stood out um, and before we launch into that, let's just commit ourselves to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are this awesome God and thank you that you are with us, uh, that you do delight in us. Uh, Pray, Lord, now that as I would share that, yeah, you would give us ears to hear, Holy Spirit, uh, give us hearts that are open and receptive, and God, what is it you might be saying to us? Uh, Pray that you'll take um, my uh, feeble words and somehow bring life and bring light, bring hope, bring encouragement, because you are an awesome God, and uh, you delight to move amongst us and to share your heart with us. So we ask that in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, well, who here has been to some of the a Pacific Island country north of New Zealand? Let's just put a hand up. You've, you've been there like on holiday or maybe a short-term mission trip. Yeah, there, there's quite a few of us that have been there. And uh, in fact, in my early 20s, I was part of Youth with a Mission, which is a mission organization. I was up in, in Hawaii. I know it's tough being in Hawaii, but somebody has to do it. Um, So I was up there, and part of that was to take short-term mission teams to the South Pacific, actually. So we came down to Fiji and to Samoa um, and had some great times. Usually those were three months long, um, those outreach times. So there's a lot that happens in three months of uh, traveling around and doing Christian ministry in those places. And, And it was a blast. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And then when I first came to New Zealand, I was 24 years old, and I came to establish, uh, help establish a discipleship training school in a church in Palmerston North, of all places. Yep. And uh, our first school was small. It had six students and a few of us on staff, uh, but we were all really zealous for God. We were really keen to meet with God and to just hear from him and try and obey what he was saying to us to do. And we decided to um, go to Tonga, the nation of Tonga, on a, about a, a two-month-long outreach, short-term mission trip. And we were really excited about sharing the good news uh, with the people of Tonga uh, and just with anybody who might listen to us. But, you know, right from our arrival in Nuku'alofa, our trip kind of turned pear shape. Um, one of our team members, uh, he didn't like our living conditions, and he got really upset one day. And he stormed out. He went down to a local travel agent and demanded that they change his plane ticket uh, so that he could go back to New Zealand. And I think it was the next day that he left, and uh, I never saw him again. Um, and so for our little team, it had a big impact. He was this very musically gifted guy. He, he had written 300 songs. Um, and that was a big personality. And so to lose him, just like, whoa, that really uh, affected our team. And then... Um, our our living our accommodation kind of got got messed up, and we had to shift over to this little village outside of New Kualofa. It was kind of near the ocean, just about 75 meters away, and uh, it was a very crude, um, simple house. and the, the man was quite poor, and that was right in line with us because we were very poor. Um, our team money was was very low, um, and we were needing God to provide for us kind of miraculously to keep us going. Um, And, you know, the the accommodation was incredibly simple. We had um, seven of us single people just slept on a woven mat on top of a concrete floor. Um, And we had our leaders were a married couple, and they had a simple room kind of out behind us. And so we got there, and we, we were praying and practicing our songs and some of our skits. And then Tonga got hit by... The backlash of a cyclone. So it kind of got hit by the tail end of this cyclone. And because our house was just about 75 meters from the ocean, um, it got hit by the backlash of this cyclone. I vividly remember lying on the floor of this house and looking up at our sheet metal roof as it was bouncing up and down, boom, 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 like that, and water dripping down on us. And I was sure that at any moment what was going to happen to that roof, that it was just going to fly off, you know, and uh, we, we were going to get rained on big time. And fortunately, that didn't happen, uh, very thankfully. And so when the cyclone passed, kind of like the next day, uh, it became clear that most of our team uh, started to come down with some kind of a bug, uh, kind of like person after person. Uh, we got this strange flu bug that we found out later on that the Tongans were... Experiencing it as well. In fact, it was an epidemic, but because we were foreigners, as the Samoans would say, Palangis, um, we got hit really hard with this bug. And in fact, some of our team members were like deathly ill. And um, I had to personally like help get them, like by bus or wherever we could, to this hospital in Tonga. And we quickly discovered that was the worst place to be. Um, and so we, we got them out of the hospital. And brought them back to this little place, and we are praying and trying to do what we could to to nurse them. And in fact, everybody in our team um, was sick except one person, this this, uh, young girl called Karen Williamson, who I don't know why she didn't get ill, but uh, she was the one caring for all of us. And in fact, um, Karen's in this room tonight, although she has a different surname now, um, and she's sitting right over there. Yep. And she has that funny surname that nobody can say. Um, and, you know, so we're, we're there, and um, my leaders, a uh, couple, they were, like, really, really seriously ill. Like, I was genuinely concerned that they could die. And they were our leaders, and they were determined that they were going to stay and see it out because we all felt like we were experiencing this phenomenal spiritual attack uh, against us. And we were determined to try and, and defeat that and not, and not cave into it. And so I remember, to try and get some relief, I went out on the, the grass adjacent to this crude, simple house. And I was lying on the grass, looking up at some coconut palm trees, as you do, and um, feeling just absolutely terrible. And suddenly, this voice burst into my mind. And this was a light bulb moment that happened for me. You know, Jesus' voice had become a familiar voice by that point. He knew that I was thinking about our leaders that were like deathly sick and the fact that this whole outreach seemed like it was going to be just a disaster and that I, I just I couldn't see a more crushing defeat if we all had to quit and go home. And in fact, at that moment, my whole world felt like uh, this scene from the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. Thank you. That's how I felt. I felt this uh, heart-rending sadness and despair. And then Jesus' voice came into my mind. And he he said, Eric, will you love me? Will you still follow me? And I knew what Jesus meant. He meant that if I was to die, or if my comrades there were to die, or if we all ended up having to go home with this crushing defeat, would I still follow Jesus? Would I still love him? And that was a turning point for me. Because up until that life, everyone, my Christian life had been pretty easygoing. It had been pretty comfortable. And it was at that moment that I realized that, you know, there could be a real cost for following Jesus and for me to experience that personally rather than just to read about it or hear about it from other people. And, you know, as I pondered uh, Jesus' question to me, all that could come to mind were Peter's words And how Peter responded to Jesus when he said, Lord, to whom else shall we go? Can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And as I lay there on that grass and just felt unbelievably terrible, I felt really the only thing I could say to Jesus was, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. I'll follow you. And, well, our leaders did have to go home so they could heal. And those of us who were left, we became well enough so that we could do a few outreach activities um, for a few more weeks. And like I said before, we were determined that the enemy of our souls was not going to get a victory over us. But a few weeks later, you know, our ragtag team, we made it back uh, to Auckland. We were exhausted and depleted. In fact, it took me two months of R&R at home uh, to recover, you know, from that experience. In some ways, I stayed scarred from that experience for quite a long time afterwards. But God used that horrible experience to help forge this resolve in me that I would need for the rest of God's plans uh, for my life. And so I have a question for you. If God brings along a serious test in your life... How will you respond to it? All right, and that brings me to another light bulb moment. And this one revolved around the big question of why am I alive? Or another way that I asked this question was, you know, what was my part in God's grand purposes, you know, his grand scheme of things? Anybody ever wrestled with that question? Yeah, we do. In God, as we know, Jesus has allocated each one of us an amount of time on earth. And only God knows what that amount of time is. You know, some of us here, we might have been here last week on this very stage, and in this spot right here, we farewelled uh, Dan McQueen last week. And Dan McQueen was 28 years old when his body finished its time on earth. And that seems very tragic, and yet for Dan... God apparently had allocated an amount of time for him that I talked with Dan about that. I had the privilege of getting to talk with Dan about that. And Dan sincerely believed that he was loving God and doing what he could to love God and to follow him and to trust him despite what was happening to him. Now, that's amazing. Dan felt that he could trust God with whatever happened. Even if for him, he had this relatively short time on the earth. But the point is, we don't know how much time that we have. And God, only God can tell us why we're alive and what his plans for us are. And as we walk with him day by day, uh, we learn to hear his voice, to sense his voice, his promptings. And steadily, his will becomes more clear for us. And, you know, I found that God is constantly active in our lives. Have you found that? I find that. And, you know, I find that I'm the one that struggles to have this clear sense of what he's saying. In fact, you know, many of us struggle with guidance because, if we're honest, we lack the humility and courage. And this helps explain why even though we need and expect guidance, we also avoid it and reject it. Well, at least I do. I don't know about you. Um. But if you're going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus, then your life will become more oriented around him, won't it? And what he is doing. And you'll be in relationship with other Christ followers who are also seeking Jesus and who are wanting to, to be in on what he's doing. And I found that discerning God's will becomes easier when we're, when we're active in relationship with other Christians. Have you found that? Yeah. And that's why these types of gatherings are important. That's why small groups, home groups are important. It's important for us to be in relationship with each other because God speaks to us through the scriptures. He speaks to us directly by his spirit. He speaks to us through other Christians. And I have found especially through other Christians. Have you found that? Yeah, I have. And so it's important that we're in relationship with other believers. So to help you sense God's leading in your life, you can ask these questions. Number one. How am I invited to join in God's creative activity that's already happening here? You got that? How am I invited to join in God's creative activity that's already happening here? In other words, God's at work, and how is he inviting me to participate in it? Number two, in what areas of life am I growing? Do I have a sense I'm growing spiritually in a particular area of my life? Number three, where do I see God's blessing in my life? And related to that, number four, what if God is growing in me and through me? So what if God is growing in me and through me? I'll give you an example. You know, the other day I was talking to Abby Cummins, and some of you might know Abby. Um, A few months ago, God felt Abby was putting this burden inside of her for unity within the body of Christ. So she got talking with some of her friends. As she talked with her friends, her Christian friends, she realized that they had the same burden that God was putting inside of them. As they talked, as they prayed, they felt God was connecting them with, with women and giving them a, a burden for women in terms of loving God and following him. And they felt God was calling them to call the women of Tauranga together uh, for one heart. And who of you came to that? Anybody here? came to that few hands. It happened right here in this building. And there was hundreds of women that came to that event. And that was something that happened by having this strong sense inside, by sharing it with some other Christ followers, by them just trying to listen to God's voice. And then it grew and became something that was enriching and edifying, really helpful uh, to women in our town. And, you know, I was talking with Abby about that afterwards. And as she reflected on that event, she realized that God's given her this ability to instigate and activate new things in God. Isn't that neat? Yeah. And Abby was telling me that, you know, she didn't know that beforehand. But that's something that's becoming more real for her. Just as she began to follow some of these promptings she felt that the Holy Spirit was, was giving her. And... But you'll notice that with Abby, it was was just about hearing and obeying, and it wasn't about, like, having a guarantee of success. Because, actually, she and her friends, they didn't know what was going to happen, all right? They thought maybe 100 women would come to their thing. And how many came? How many? Yeah, 500 and something women came to that. So they were really blown away. All right, so now what about my light bulb moment, you might ask? Well, when I was 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, you know, I was desperate to have like a prophetic word from God. I hugely wanted to hear about God, about my future, about my, my destiny in God. I was inspired by what the Apostle Paul said to his, tra- his trainee, his intern Timothy, as we hear in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. He said, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. You know, during my early 20s, I regularly asked God to give me that kind of a prophetic message like Paul was referring to with his young trainee, Timothy. And sure enough, this happened. Um, And it happened without God speaking directly to me, like as if I was alone in a room, but it happened in the context of a small Christian community. Remember that training school I talked about earlier, the one we started in Palmerston North? Well, during our first school, during the first month, uh, we were meeting in the Baptist Youth Hostel, which maybe some of you remember that or you've been there. And uh, one week we had a man teaching us. His name was Ken Wright. And Ken had, had founded the church in Palmerston North that actually called me as a missionary to it and that was supporting the school that we were running. And uh, Ken was teaching, and it was this very just divinely powerful week that we were having. In fact, during that week, we kind of had this visitation of God with our little group. It was kind of like a mini revival that happened for about a 24-hour time period. It was absolutely amazing. And we got to the end of that week, and Ken felt that Jesus had told him that he was going to give a prophetic word to each person. So we were all sitting like in a circle, and he kind of went around the room. And when he got to me, he said to me, he said, Eric, he said, you know, Jesus is telling me that you have felt that God wants you to be a Bible teacher. But in fact, God's calling you to be a shepherd. And not like a shepherd of like one church, but a shepherd, you know, within the body of Christ. Well, when I heard that word from Ken, I was really disappointed. Um, You know why? Because I really wanted to be a Bible teacher. Um, I thought, man, that would be the greatest thing. And, in fact, for weeks after that, um, I I was actually a bit annoyed. Um, And I was like, really? Really? Um, Okay. You know, I thought maybe Ken had gotten it wrong. Um, But, you know, as I pondered it, I had this strong sense that it actually was a genuine word from God um, to me and for me. And so I just simply left it with God. I just left it with him. And you know what? It took years for that prophetic word to come to pass. I mean, it took years. I received that word when I was 24 years old. And it wasn't until I was 44 years old that I really came into the fullness of that prophetic word. So that's 20 years that went by. And, you know, God, he had to grow me. He had to shape me. God had to be really patient with me. Uh, before I could begin to come into the fulfillment of that prophetic word. And and during those 20 years, you know, I faced a lot of battles uh, about that that thing, which I would call my destiny. And I had to recall that prophetic word on a number of occasions. And and I had to, you know, quote Paul saying that, well, by that prophetic word, I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to push back, uh, you know, the, the forces of evil that are trying to To, to, you know, distract me and even to derail me away from God's plan and purposes for my life. And I made a lot of mistakes. There were times when I had doubts. I had really big doubts at times. In fact, I was kind of away from my main calling for quite a while. But God was really kind and gracious. And, um, And in fact, with my struggles and doubts... It felt like, yes, another scene from Fellowship of the Ring. All right. You will face the same evil and you will defeat it. Have you ever felt like Aragorn? I can identify with that scene. This sense that God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for my life. And yet, huge doubts. Is it actually going to happen? Am I actually going to fulfill God's will and and purpose for my life. I can identify with Aragorn, eh, where he says, the same weakness is in me. And those big questions. So I love that scene. Why else do we love the movie, everybody? Because what happens? We know the end of the story, right? And what happens? Yeah, Aragorn faces the stuff inside of him, his big doubts, his questions, his fears. And he lives out God's purpose for his life. He lives it out. He overcomes his fears, his weakness. And that was a, a, it's a light bulb moment that I'm going to mention. And that is that you have a divine destiny, but you may be have to pa- be patient for it to happen. You got that? You have a divine destiny, but you may have to be patient for it to happen. And you may have to fight for it to happen. Like for me, I had to be patient, and yet I also had to fight at times by using that prophetic word that Paul quoted to Timothy there. And he tells us. And yet, how wonderful that Paul said in Romans 8, that if God be for us, what? Who can be against us? There in Romans chapter 8, Paul said, if God be for us, then who can be against us? That he who gave his own son, how will he not with with him give us all things? God before us, who can be against us? So what I'd like to do is I want to, while the band is coming up, I want to bring a final challenge to you. And I'd like you to stand up, please, and listen to what I have to say. So I'm going to invite the band. Say, so everybody, please stand up. My final challenge to you, as you've been listening tonight, is number one, is to cultivate a real and vibrant friendship with God. Now, some of us here, we're already doing that, but maybe that's not you. I have found that for me that's been absolutely crucial to cultivate this real and vibrant friendship with God. Number two, stay in active relationship with other Christ followers. Even though you might get hurt and disappointed by other Christ followers, seek them out. Stay in relationship. Stay in friendship with them. Number three, practice at sensing God's voice and be determined to obey his promptings. Did you hear that? Practice at sensing God's voice and be determined to obey his promptings. Your very future depends on it. It depends on it. If you'll learn to practice sensing God's voice, as you do that and get better at it, God's will for you just starts to become more and more outworked and real in your life. And then finally, if God gives you a prophetic word that you know it's from him, then remind him of that word while you continue to faithfully Love Jesus and follow him. All right? I'm going to invite these guys to come. Um, I'm going to pray. Is that all right? And then you guys go. Join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are an awesome God. We thank you that that you are with us throughout our whole journey on this earth, we thank you that you have plans and purposes for us. God, you have plans and purposes for every person that's here in this room tonight. We thank you for that. Lord, whether we're, we're just starting our journey or whether we're, we've been going for a number of years, God, we welcome you. We welcome you. We acknowledge that your will for us is good and acceptable and perfect. Can you say that with me? Your will is good and acceptable and perfect and perfect let's say that again god your will is good and acceptable and perfect and heavenly father we welcome your will for our lives we welcome you and we ask spirit of god that you would help us to learn to hear your voice and to obey what it is that you're saying for us to do Lord, i pray your blessing on everyone who's here this evening i pray god that you'll give us the courage to step out and the things that you prompt us and lead us to do, that your kingdom might come on earth, and that your will would be done, God, just like the way your will's done in heaven. And God's people would say, amen. Thank you.